Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. I do want to encourage you to check out our other podcasts, and among them is The War. The War was a series that I did back in 2013 and 2014 that was timed with the 70th anniversary of D-Day. And the idea is that I started out in the pre-war era looking at uh, people's hesitancy and concerns about a potential second war in Europe and how the country progressed into entering the war through the war, even a little bit in the post-war era. And I used a lot of things to do this. Uh, there was news and documentary programs, but we also used dramas, comedy, music to really capture the feel of that whole era. So if you're into World War II, I'd encourage you to check out The War. You can find all my other podcasts, including The War, go to greatdetectives.net. Just click on the icon to take you over to The War. If you're interested in World War II, you'll definitely enjoy it. Uh, you can also enjoy otrsuperman.com, The Amazing World of Radio, and of course our public domain video theater. Now it's time for this week's episode of The Fat Man. I will warn in advance that there is a racially offensive term that's used in here multiple times, so listener discretion is advised. But the original air date on today's episode will be April 28th, 1955, and the title is Murder Writes a Story. There he goes into that drugstore. He's stepping on the scales. Weight, 239 pounds. Fortune, danger. Who is it? The Fat Man. Here's the fat man in Murder Writes a Story. I like to read the personal columns of the newspapers. Call it a hobby if you want to. I never do anything about following them up. That is, I never did until I read the following brief announcement. $5,000 reward for the murder of L.A. Lamont killed October 2nd, 1937. No telephone. Address, Mrs. Costa, 413 Coleman Street. For some reason, it didn't look like a phony message or code. I decided to look Mrs. Costa up. It was late afternoon when I got to Coleman Street. Most of the numbers on the buildings were either hidden or missing. I stopped in front of the tenement that should have been 413 and looked vainly for the number. A flashily dressed girl stood nearby looking up at the same house. Suddenly, the door of the house opened and a big blonde guy with hard eyes came out. He looked sore about something. The girl started toward him as he came down the steps. Well, how about it? Was it Chink? No, it wasn't Chink. Just an old dame with a beef. 
Come on. But, Joe, maybe it's a blind. I say, come on. Pardon me, but is the number of this building 413? 413? Yeah, yeah, that's the number. Thanks. Stranger around here? In a way. Why? Nothing. I just wondered. Come on, Lola. Mrs. Costa lived on the fourth floor rear. She must have been sitting near the door because she opened it almost as soon as I knocked. She was a small, stooped, tired little old woman with graying hair and bony, work-worn hands. Only her eyes looked alive. They were big and black, and they were filled with pain and suffering. You've come about the ad. Yes. Oh, come in, come in. I've got the money right here. You know who the murderer is? Not yet, Mrs. Coster. Oh. Oh, I see. I, I thought maybe you knew. And that maybe you'd tell me for the $5,000. The other one, he didn't know either. A uh, big, tall, blonde man? Yes, yes, that's the one. Do you know him? No, I think I passed him on the way in here. Well, why did you come if you don't know who killed Mr. Lamont? I'm a private detective, Mrs. Coster. My name is Runyon. I saw your ad and I thought maybe I could help you. Why are you interested in finding the murderer of this man, Lamont? Was he a relative of yours? No, Mr. Runyon. Not a relative. I didn't even know Mr. Lamont. They said my boy killed him. They took him away to prison. Your son was convicted of this man, Lamont's murder? Yes, Mr. Runyon. My son, Bobby. For nine years now, my Bobby has been in prison. But my... Bobby didn't kill him. My Bobby couldn't kill anybody. He was always a good boy and a good man. Why have you waited so long, Mrs. Costa? Nine years ago, I am a poor woman. I have no money. Money will do anything, so, so I work hard. I save and I save until now I have $5,000. Now I have enough to bring my Bobby home again. It's all for you, Mr. Runyon. All for you if you find the murderer of Mr. Lamont. Who was Mr. Lamont? He owned a jewelry store on James Street. One day, nine years ago, a man came into his store to steal. The man had a gun. Mr. Lamont had a gun, too, under his counter. But the man shot Mr. Lamont. They said it was my Bobby. Why did they think it was your son? I don't know. All I know, Mr. Runyon, is that my boy would not kill. He would not steal. I see. You can help. I'll do what I can. But nine years is a long time. Yes. Yes, nine years is a long time. I know how long nine years is, Mr. Runyon. This other man, the one who was here just before I came, what did he say to you? He was not such a nice man. When I told him I am Bobby's mother, he laughed, just like he didn't believe me. He said I was not telling the truth. But I am, Mr. Runyon. I swear to you that I am telling the truth. Did you find it, Mackenzie? Yeah, yeah, here it is, Brad. I remember the case now. Didn't cause much of a rumpus, just another one of those robberies where a jeweler reached for a gun instead of the ceiling. How much loot did the killer get? Nothing. 
He ran after shooting Lamont, didn't stop or take anything. And got away? Yeah, but there was a couple of witnesses. Several people saw him running, and there was a dame in the store at the time of the killing. How did they happen to pick up young Coster? Yeah, let's see. Uh, yeah, here it is. He was picked up that night in the pool room along with some other guys. Just a routine pickup of suspicious punks. They had the witnesses to the jewel robbery down for the lineup. Now, one of the witnesses said this Coster looked like the guy. Naturally, he denied it. Did he have an alibi? Only his mother. She swore he was home at the time of the holdup, but then she was his mother, you know. Yeah, I know. The dame who'd been in the store identified him positively at the trial. But she wasn't so sure when she saw him in the lineup. Well, no, I don't know about that. It doesn't mention it here. It just says he was partially identified by a man who saw him running from the scene. But it was the testimony of the woman in the store that really sent him up. Yeah. The other said it could have been the man they saw. You know, same height, age, build, that sort of stuff. But the dame was positive. They sent Cost up. He was lucky not to get the chair. If there'd been other positive witnesses, he would have gotten it. Mac, who was the woman? Uh, Lillian Reese. Her address at that time was the Fenimore Hotel. I think you're running down a blind alley, Brad. Why don't you forget it? Maybe I'm a sap, Mac. But I've got a hunch Costa was railroaded. I'm going to try and find out. Well, you'll need help. It's a tough job opening up a case like that after nine years. I think I know where I might get the help. Where? Felix McDonald, the newspaper publisher. Yeah, maybe you got something there. He sure causes up enough trouble yelling about injustice. You know, I suppose a paper like that is really a good thing, but sometimes I wish old Judge Hanley hadn't sold out to him five years ago. Now, try not to embarrass the police too much, Mac. You'll have to have a lot more than you got now before you embarrass anybody. Don't worry, Mac. I've got something else to go on besides a mother's love for her son. What? A tough blonde guy named Joe and a good-looking girl. And they're both looking for a man named Chink. That's the story, Mr. McDonald. Yeah, it's interesting, Runyon. Very interesting indeed. Will you give me a break with your paper? Absolutely, Runyon. If you can show me any reasonable proof that an injustice was done, I'll go all out with you. Okay. That's all I wanted to know. Um, about this witness. You know where she is now? Not yet. I checked this morning with the hotel she lived at during the trial. She left there five years ago. She didn't leave a forwarding address. Yeah, that's not so good. Uh, what about this man and woman, the ones who were there seeing the old lady? I don't know. It may not mean anything, but I got the idea they thought somebody else put that ad in the paper. Somebody they called Chink. Chink? Funny name. Yeah. Could you recognize them if you saw them again? Yeah, the man was tall and blonde. The kind that always looks like he needs a haircut. His eyes were blue, hard as nails. Tough-looking guy in his middle thirties. His first name is Joe. The girl wouldn't be so easy... A dime a dozen type. Late twenties, brown hair, good figure, flashy dresser. Well, that's something anyway. If you can find them again, maybe you can learn what the connection is. Yeah. Too bad you can't find that witness, Lillian Reese. I don't think I'll have to find her if she's still in the city. What do you mean? I think she'll look me up. Look you up? But, but why? Because I put an ad in the morning papers that Lillian Reese was being sought as a beneficiary of a $10,000 insurance policy. I gave my telephone number to be called for particulars. I left 
left McDonald and went back to my office. There wasn't anything to do now but wait and wonder. I did plenty of both while the hands on my desk clock swung slowly around. And then at 5.22, the phone rang. Hello? There was an ad in one of the papers this afternoon about some insurance. Oh, yes. You have some information concerning Miss Lillian Reese? I'm Lillian Reese. Where can we find you, Miss Reese? The ad said a $10,000 policy. I didn't know about any policy. Who left me this money? In that case, perhaps there's been a mistake. There must be another Lillian Reese. I'm sorry to... Wait. It's possible that I wouldn't know. Couldn't you give me the details now? I'm afraid I'd have to see you personally, Miss Reese. Naturally, there's the matter of positive identification. But I tell you, I'm Lillian Reese. You have to have more than your word, I'm afraid. Now, if you come to my office... No, I'd, I'd rather not do that. What I mean is... Couldn't you come here and meet me? Yes, I suppose so. Where are you? I'll meet you in an hour. In the lobby of the Kessler Hotel. Okay, if that's the way you want it. I'd prefer it that way. I know it may sound strange to you, but I have my reasons. In an hour, then? Have your identification with you. I will. How will I recognize you? I'll be wearing a, a red hat. And I'll be sitting in the little alcove near the big windows on the 50th Street side. I looked at my watch. Nearly 5.30. That meant she'd be waiting at 6.30. The castle was about eight blocks away, not more than a ten-minute walk. More time to kill. I opened the small cabinet on the side of my desk. There were two guns inside, a small pocket-sized 32 and an Army 45. I took out the 32, checked it, and put it in my hip pocket. Then the phone rang again. Hello? I'm calling about an ad that appeared in the paper this afternoon. Yeah? This telephone number was given. That's right. You have some information as to the whereabouts of Mr. Leon Reese? Yes. Uh, the ad said there was an insurance policy. Uh-huh. Uh, could you come to my office? Uh, of course. Right away? No, no, not right away. Could you come here at nine tonight? Yes. Where is your office? The Landis Building. Sixth floor, room 608. I leave the door unlocked. If I'm not here, come in and wait. All right. Are you a close friend of Miss Reese? A close as possible friend. I am Lillian Reese. Stretcher through. That means you too, big boy. Come. Hey, Brad. What happened, Mac? Some mess of dame just got chopped in two by a Tommy gun. Who was it? How do I know who she is? She was sitting over there in the alcove, according to witnesses, when a car stops outside and somebody lets go with a Tommy gun right through the plate glass windows. Was she wearing a red hat, Mac? Uh, yes, she was. Hey, wait a minute. What are you doing here, anyway? Do you know this dame? I had a date with her, Mac. She said she was the missing witness in the Costa case. The woman called Lillian Reese.
I'm sorry to keep you waiting, but... Well, well. So it was you who put that phony ad in the paper. Yeah, but I didn't expect to find you with it. Where's your big blonde playmate, Joe? Right behind you, fat man. By the gun, Joe. You're going to do some talking, and we're going to do some listening. I hear better with a gun in my hand. Close the door, Lola. Okay. Lock it. See if you can touch the ceiling, fat man. Now frisk him. Uh-huh. Here, Joe. <laughs> kind of a small gun for a big guy like you, huh? I'll admit it's not as good as a Tommy gun. What's that supposed to mean? I'm not quite sure yet. Sit down. Who's Chink, Joe? Chink! I told you he knew something! Shut up, Lola! You... Shut up! I'm asking the questions, fat man. So you don't know who Chink is? Should I? Didn't he hire you? <laughs> Somebody gave you a bum steer, Joe. He's lying! I told you to shut up! Now listen, Runyon. Are you leveling about not knowing Chink? I never heard of him until I heard you mention the name in front of old lady Costa's place yesterday. I don't get this. Why did you answer the Costa woman's ad? $5,000 is a lot of dough for a guy like me. Where would that old dame get five grand? Doing something you never heard of. Working. So you don't really know anything about Maloney either. Who's Maloney? <laughs> That's the guy Lola and me are looking for. It's the guy Chink is looking for. And Runyon, it's the guy you're looking for. So young Costa was railroaded. He really didn't kill that Joe. Uh, just a dumb punk who took the rap. Watch your angle, Joe. Now listen, Runyon, you're a pretty smart guy. Maybe, maybe we can make a deal. What do you want? Oh, you must know something. You wouldn't have put that phony ad in the paper for Lillian Reese. Did she show? Talk some more, Joe. Joe, be careful. I tell you, this guy is dynamite. Listen, baby, I told you twice to shut up and stay out of this. I ain't gonna tell you again. Go on, Joe. I'm listening. Okay. You're looking for the guy who really killed that jeweler nine years ago. I'm looking for the same guy, only for another reason. What's your reason? That's my business. The point is, we both want this guy. Now then, you want to tell me what you know if I lay my cards on the table? Sure, Joe. That's fair enough. Good. Did you find Lillian Reese? Uh-huh. Where is she? On a slab in the morgue. In the morgue? Yeah. Murdered tonight in the lobby of the Hotel Kessler. She was waiting for me, but somebody got there first. Maloney. He, he's here, Joe. He's here. He killed her. Now it's your turn. Start talking. Okay. This guy Maloney was a penny-ante stick-up man nine years ago. The dame Lillian Reese was his shill. Things are beginning to make sense. Sure, sure. Maloney and Lillian worked together. She'd go into a store and pretend to buy something. Then Maloney would come in with a gun. No wonder she was the witness that put the finger on Costa. That was a cinch. Nobody suspected nothing at all. There wasn't nothing to tie Maloney and the dame together. He got away clean after the killing. Naturally, they hauled her in as a witness... So when one of the other witnesses says this Costa looks like the guy, she swears right out that it is. That's why an old woman scrubbed floors for nine years. What's that? Skip it. Go on. Well, pretty soon after Costa went up, Maloney began getting bigger ideas. Lillian wasn't seen around with him anymore. And everybody figures he's through with her. Of course, he's never going to really be through with her because of what she's got on him. But I figure he'll be paying her off a long time. 
Where do you and this girl fit into the picture? And who's Chink? Yeah, I'm coming to that. About six years ago, Lawler and me and a fellow called Chink had what you might call a, a certain business arrangement with this Maloney. He owed us some dough. Big dough. Where did the money come from? <laughs> That's not part of the story. Anyway, Maloney took a powder, a big powder. We haven't seen him since. We looked for him a year or so, and then Chink took a powder, too. When we saw that ad about the reward for the jeweler's real murderer, we thought it was Chink. And then when you showed up and put in the ad about Lillian, we, we thought Chink had hired you. That could make sense. Of course it does. I didn't say it did. I said it could. If Maloney killed Lillian tonight, that means he's wise that somebody's on his trail. He was afraid she'd blab about that old murder rap. Or tell somebody where he was. He'll kill us, Joe. Maybe he already knows where we are. Yeah. Put your gun away, Joe, and listen to me, both of you. Okay. Here. These are the keys to my apartment. Stay there until you hear from me. Don't go out for anything. Don't answer the door or phone and keep the door locked. I don't get it. Maloney's not working this single-handed. That Tommy gun job tonight had the old gangster layout. That means that Maloney is desperate. If he knows you're here, he'll get you next. I don't think he knows about me, so you ought to be safe at my place. Yeah, and what are you going to do? I'm going to try and lay a trap for Maloney with the help of a friend of mine who owns a newspaper. You got it straight, McDonald? Yeah, I think so. Front page story on this woman, Lillian Reese. All about the fact that she was the key witness in the Costa case nine years ago. Lay it on thick. You know, why was she murdered? Was it because she'd been bribed to send Costa up, or had she double-crossed somebody? Tell how she disappeared for five or six years. And then be sure and put in the fact that she was living in room 716 of the Kessler Hotel. Was that where she lived? No. But I want this fellow Chink to think it is. But why? Because I've got a hunch he'll come to give the room a going over. When he comes, I'll be waiting for him. And what would he be looking for? Joe, the girl Lola and Chink were looking for Maloney and the dead girl. It had something to do with money. Probably a double cross and a holdup. Maybe Chink will think some of the money's still there. Or he may think he can get a lead on Maloney. It's a long shot. I think it'll work. Okay, Runyon. I'll have the story in the next edition. Uh, by the way, um, what about this Joe and the girl? They'll be okay. They're hiding out in my apartment and we pick up Maloney and Chink. I went up to 716 in the Kessler Hotel. It was already dark outside and the papers had been on the streets for nearly an hour. I left the closet door open and sat down in a chair to wait. Ten, fifteen, twenty minutes passed. Then suddenly I heard the elevator doors open down the hall. I went in the closet. My gun was already in my hand. I left the door of the closet open just enough to let me see the side of the room toward the door. Here you are, sir. Okay, that'll be all. Oh, uh, here. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Looked slowly around the room, but didn't come near the closet. When I saw his eyes, I knew it was chink. They were slanted slightly like an oriental's. He 
He was slim and dark, and his movements were quick and cat-like. He turned until his back was toward me. Then he started peeling off his coat. That probably saved both our lives. The coat was half off when I noticed the door to the hall swinging silently open into the room. A man's hand appeared holding a gun. I squeezed the trigger of my own thirty-two. The gun clattered to the floor. The hand snapped out of sight, and Chink, still struggling with his coat, turned and tore into me like a wildcat. You don't! Let go! He's getting away! I didn't shoot at you! Oh, no, you don't! Don't go for your gun, or I'll break your arm! Stop it! I'll just take care of this for you. Ah, he's gone, you sap! Why did you grab me? Who are you? Never mind that. Get your coat on. You've got to get out of here. Where'd you come from? In the closet there. I was waiting for you. No, it was a plan, huh? Yeah. Then... Then the money's not here. What money? Okay, clam up. But you're going to talk soon. Come on. Are you a cop? No. Then who are you? I'm working with Joe and Lola. Maloney is loose around here somewhere, and he's gunning for all of us. Just have spotted you and tailed you here. Come on. Where to? To my apartment to see Joe and Lola. Yeah, this is my apartment. Wait a minute. I told them not to open the door unless they heard... What's wrong? It's not locked. Really? They must have gone. Yeah. They're gone, all right. Look there on the floor. What? Both of them? Yeah. And they've got enough bullets in them to sink a battleship. Look, uh, what are we doing in a newspaper office? What's the idea? Shut up and come on, Chink. The publisher of this paper is trying to help me dig up Maloney so Costa can go free on that jeweler killing. Yeah, but I thought you were going to turn me over to the cops. But Maloney's still loose. He's still gunning for me. I'd be safer with the cops, and so would you. I don't think so. No, I don't like it. Chink, how long has it been since you saw Maloney? Oh, about six years. Why? Never mind. Come in. Ah, oh, come in, Runyon. Thanks. Come in, Chink. Uh, Chink? Long time no see here, Maloney. Keep your hands on that desk, McDonald. Or maybe I'd better call you Maloney. Well, it's Maloney, all right. And mighty fancy, too. Owner of a newspaper. No wonder we couldn't find him. So that's what you did with the doll. Yeah, that's right. Now, don't move. I've got you covered, boy. Where did that money come from, Chink? Well, the Witzel Bank job in Missouri six years ago. We got over 300 grand. He crossed us and got away with all of it. But how did you know he was Maloney? He had to be it. He was the only one who knew Joe and the girl were in my apartment. He's the one who knew I was tracking down Lillian Reese, the witness in the Costa case. He knew you were coming to the hotel. And all the time he was playing the good boy for the public. Yeah. Come on, let's take him in. And now, no trouble now, McDonald. I've still got the gun. Why, you... Ah, 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 ah. Chink, if you behave yourself, you might get a break on the bank job for helping me pull this baby in. Well, thanks. And you'll get the 5000 bucks award for clearing Costa. I don't think I'll claim that reward. I've got a hunch Bobby Costa can use it for his mother when he comes out of jail.
Well, that's that. It seems I spend my life in getting into trouble and getting out of it. But at the same time, I generally manage to get some other people in and out of trouble, too. Be seeing you again. Go on. Welcome back. Sometimes uh, people ask writers, where do you get your plots? I don't know if anyone ever asked the writers of The Fat Man this, because it's kind of obvious where they got their plot. At least in many cases, it came right out of the movies. In this case, uh, this story really borrows heavily, at least in its opening setup, from Call Northside 777, a film that starred Jimmy Stewart and was actually the pilot episode for this uh, podcast. We did, I believe, the Screen Guild Theater version. And as usual with The Fat Man, they took it entirely different direction once they'd laid out the basic plot. And I think it generally works out fine from there. All right, well, listener comments and feedback. And we have a comment from YouTube where the butcher writes, I have this on TuneIn. I don't listen all week just so I can binge on Saturday. Adam, you do a great job. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the comment. And it's always interesting to hear how people listen to the show. All right. Well, I do want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Charlie, Patreon supporter since October of 2019, currently supporting us at the Seamus level of $4 or more per month. Again, thank you so much for your support, Charlie. And that will do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow for The Man Called X, and next Tuesday, we'll be back with another episode of The Fat Man. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash Radio Detectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.